Charles, and for a lot of you, he needs no introduction. We do have a number of, of relatively new families uh, in the group, so I'll just give the, the little thumbnail that I can, and that is that uh, Brother Charles grew up in the home of a Southern Baptist pastor. Brother Vernon Simpson was top shelf, salt of the earth. And uh, as the recording used to say, Brother Charles, he himself was a Southern Baptist pastor. And uh, after seven years of that, the Lord baptized him in the Holy Spirit, and then the fun began <laughs> and uh, led him into, and of course that was about the time that uh, the charismatic movement was really beginning to, to heat up, for lack of a better term, and uh, began to be a leader in the body of Christ. Uh, I personally was introduced to his teachings and to him in 1971, I think it was. And, uh, uh, but anyway, over time just became uh, a, a person that people look to for leadership, especially in the charismatic movement, founded a number of churches, a bunch of churches around this country that Brother Charles started, including one in Mobile, Alabama. Uh, ultimately out of that church came Integrity Music. It was birthed out of his church in Mobile, Alabama. And uh, today he pastors pastors around, literally around the world. And he just completed, brace yourself, he just completed 8,000 miles traveling on in his car. <laughs> He's been to Michigan, West Virginia, Virginia, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Iowa. You've been to Davenport this trip, Brother Charles? Uh, Iowa? I'll, I'll go there oh, okay. right away. Mm-hmm. 8,000 miles. I don't even want to fly 8,000 miles. And all this time, he's ministering to and meeting with friends and people that he pastors. And uh, so, and, and you know, I said last week, Brother Charles, you're not supposed to hear this. He, he won't let us call him an apostle, but he's apostolic to us. And uh, so we always look forward to him coming and the word that he brings and the the uh, the spirit that he brings. And so let's welcome the man of God, Charles Simpson, to the pulpit and hear what he says by the Holy Spirit. Come, Brother Charles. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for the privilege, the high, high privilege of being part of your family. We thank you for the friends you give us, the brothers and sisters. We thank you for your presence with us as we gather that the Son of God would be in our midst. We honor you, Lord Jesus, and we pray that you will have your way, that uh, your kingdom will come, your will will be done on earth. As, in, as it is in heaven, I pray that you will say more than I do. I pray that people will hear what you're saying. And we thank you for this, this privilege. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, you might turn with me to the book of Ecclesiastes, that great charismatic book. Um, I'm sure you do. A study in Ecclesiastes daily. There's a lot of, how many of you know it's inspired? God inspired it. 
It's good to see all of you here. Uh, I noticed some of you sitting in the back because you're afraid to be on the camera. Uh, <laughs> I wife, when I'm home, I, I watch your services, and we consider this our home church. And um, I, I don't ever get to see anybody on the sides or in the back. I just see down here and see one or two. But uh, I appreciate you being here, even if you are in the back. I thought I was in the Baptist church there for a few minutes. Like I grew up in. <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't mean. I, it, it, and if you're a Baptist, don't take that wrong. I love the Baptist. I was born in a Baptist hospital, grew up in a Baptist house and all that. Oh, the Baptist a whole lot. <laughs> Praise God. I, um, I want to talk to you this morning <clears throat> about the power of relationship. And uh, I'm so glad to see some of you here that I don't get to see, like Brother John here and others. I don't know if we fully appreciate or realize or understand what relationships are all about. And I want to read from the New King James, Ecclesiastes 4, verse 9 through 13 and then, well, through 12, and then I will go to Matthew 18. Two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion, but woe to him who is alone when he falls. Not if he falls, when he falls. We all stumble sometimes. For he has no one to help him or help him up. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Isn't that good? And Jesus, our Lord, said in uh, Matthew eighteen twenty, where two or three are gathered together. I will be in the midst. Isn't that powerful? We're two or three. Now, in that context, he's talking to his disciples about correcting one another and being truthful with one another. He said, if you have a problem with somebody, go to them. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we practiced that? And he said, if they don't listen, bring a couple of friends. And he says, uh, you know, if they won't hear, then tell it to the church. Is he saying, tell it to a thousand people, a five hundred people? I think he's saying, tell it to the two or three or the small group that you're part of. And, um, he said, you know, whatever you bind, I'll bind. He said, if two or three of you agree, God said, it's just so wonderful if I can just get two of you. <laughs> or even three to agree, to be in harmony. I will be in the midst. That's very powerful. He said, anything they ask, I will do it. And then Peter, thank God for Peter. He gets all, he gets us in, gets me in. 
he always says what he's thinking. It's not always right, but he always says, at least you know where Peter stands. He's not guileful. He said, well, how often should I forgive? Um, you know, he's being very generous. He said, should I forgive him seven times? <laughs> That'd be a lot right there. That's, that's ahead of most of us. And Jesus says, no, 70 times seven. In other words, relationships require endless forgiveness. Now, if you're married, you should understand that verse. <laughs> we live in an amazing time. We're being tested, isn't that right? But I, I want to try to, well, I want to try to dig into this a little bit and you pray for me. God will help me. God loves fellowship. If he didn't, he wouldn't have made us. The reason God made Adam was to fellowship with him. The problem happened when the fellowship was broken by Adam and Eve, and, and uh, so we've had problems ever since because of broken fellowship. And we've had a propensity or a tendency to, uh, to get offended or to do the wrong thing. It's just natural in the Adamic nature. And being born again should help cure that. <laughs> I believe it does. <laughs> Let's, maybe I ought to have the benediction. Anyway, I, I, um, <laughs> well, we know churches have gotten over that. Anyway, we, uh, you know, I had this picture. Um, if you, if you go outside and you build a fire, a bonfire or a small fire, and you want to put it out without using water, just get a rake and rake the coals apart. If you do that, they'll cool off. Ecclesiastes says, how can one be warm alone? I had this picture of the devil with a rake raking our fire coals apart. Getting the embers away from one another. So how many of you know some people are cooling off? Now, some people are heating up. It's manifestation time. But God loves it when the coals are together and uh, when we are encouraging one another, especially as we see his approach. Um. And fellowship is more than keeping warm. It's more than staying on fire, so to speak. Fellowship is finding the missing pieces to our lives. I had this picture of a puzzle. Years ago, I felt like the Lord said, I have a plan, but I've hidden it in people. And to find my plan, you have to find the people. It's kind of like a treasure hunt. Now you say, what do you mean by that? Well, how many of you realize that you have benefited from individuals that gave you part of the plan for your life? Uh, there are certain teachers that tell you something. You may forget their name, but they have shown you something 
that filled out your life. Or maybe if you're into athletics, maybe a coach helped you. Uh, my coach helped me a lot. We loved our coach. Maybe it was a pastor or someone else, a friend. And I believe that God is saying to us that we should search for what God has put in other people that will bless us and what he has put in us that might bless other people. And it only happens when we fellowship or share. Fellowship means shared life. Now, I, I personally like small groups, but I like small groups that are reaching out to other people because if you just get introverted, next thing you know, people start looking ugly. Anyway, I'm sorry, but <laughs> you didn't notice that work before. Now, the, the thing is, you don't want to study people too much. You want to love them and, and fellowship with them, but you want to build some new relationships. Because they bring new life into your life and my life. And God has dealt with me recently to, <clears throat> to look for new relationships, not to cast aside my former relationships, the ones I've had. Thank God we should be faithful to one another. But at the same time, if you want if you want to see new miracles in your life, find new places for God to work. Uh, I'd like to chase that, but I won't. I just, a lot of times we wonder why don't we see the miracles we saw 30 years ago, 40 years ago, whenever. It's because we're just running in the same circle all the time. But if you go out to people that need a miracle, and you realize suddenly you've got something, you, you'll start seeing new miracles in your life. There'll be new excitement in your life. And God has, has dealt with me uh, to reach out. A long time ago, uh, uh, that's how most of my stories begin, but I was uh, in England, my wife and I, and we were visiting these old estate homes that had been uh, turned over to the government for the most part. And... Um, they're very, very interesting. They're, they're old homes, and a lot of them are built pretty much alike, and they've endured. They were well-built and lots of craftsmanship in it, And uh, but there'll be a long haul down the middle, and a lot of old homes in the south were built that way, too. Um, it, it's kind of wide, but it'll be a main hall, and on each side are, are rooms, and different rooms, of course, serve for different purposes. And you come to the end, and you're on the back porch, or you're out in the yard. And um, or you may be in the kitchen. They'll build a kitchen out there sometime. So uh, I had a picture of a group of tourists walking through one of these old homes, walking all the way down the hall, and coming to the end and being disappointed. And realizing that they had never opened any of those doors. How many of you know a lot of people go through life and get to the end and they're disappointed? Because they didn't see what they thought they were going to see. But the problem was they never opened any doors. Now, people are doors. If you want to find the treasure, you've got to be willing to build a relationship because people will open to you. When you meet somebody or you uh, get introduced, that's not really knowing somebody. Uh, 
Facebook doesn't make you know anybody either. And, and then, you know, you say, well, I know him. Well, if you hang out with them a while, you might get to know them. And if they fellowship with you, after a while, they'll tell you things they didn't tell you before they learned to trust you. So uh, these people that I saw in my picture um, hadn't opened any doors. You never know because everybody represents a whole other world. And if they like you, if you feel the God leading, they can open that world to you and bring you into it. Just this week, uh, I met a, a young man who's moved to an area of Nashville. He's a musician and he's a Christian and he is a he is a son-in-law to a friend of mine up in D.C. And so uh, realizing that he's fairly new, I wanted to connect him with some musicians that I knew in Nashville. And so uh, I called a friend of mine and I said, here's this guy's number. I want you to connect with him. He said, I'll be glad to. I'll help him any way I can. And so he, because of a relationship, will be introduced into a whole nother world. How many of you understand that your connections are the most important thing you have? How many of you know our connection with the Lord is the most important thing we have? Now, relationships. God loves relationships. God loves fellowship. And he has a plan for our lives, which, by the way, gets away Way too fast. Well, he wants to reveal his purpose to us. And while he can do that personally in our prayer life or however he wants to do it, he can use people to confirm it. And he can use people to help prepare you for whatever that is. And that doesn't mean you have to be a pastor or an evangelist or a missionary. I believe God has a plan for all of us in this world, and we need to understand it's just as much God if he sends you to be an engineer, if he sends you to be a pastor. The key is to do his will. We've locked too much up in the church, and we need to we need to let things happen out in the world. The biggest, biggest Disappointment that I've had is my own inability to get the church out of the church. We need to get out in the street. We need to get out in the world. We need to get where people are, and we don't need to be offended, and we don't need to just preach to them. We need to love them and relate to them. And there is a difference. Well, I... um <laughs> I, I have a limited perspective, and I think you do too. We, we all do. A friend of mine, John Duke, some of you knew John, we'd play golf, and John took a lesson. And his coach, or the teacher, the golf instructor, made a movie of what he was doing. And it surprised John because he wasn't doing what he thought he was doing. 
And the instructor said, you can't get a perspective on yourself. I'll say it again. You can't get a perspective on yourself. Let's say it together. You can't. It was kind of weak, saints. Let's, let's say it with gusto, all right? You can't get a perspective on yourself. Yeah, you need a, well, a friend. <laughs> I started to say a wife. No, I didn't mean that. You, you, well, you might need a, a husband. <laughs> Two are better than one. We, we think we're doing something sometimes when, um, in fact, we're not. Uh, we're doing something else. And I, by the way, uh, I played a little golf. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and they made a movie of me. <laughs> and I burned it. Now, uh, I just want you to know, it's not what you think. It may be to an extent, but not quite the same. Robert Burns wrote that famous poem. He said, oh, would some power the gift to give us to see ourselves as others see us. It would for many a foolish notion free us. Well, God gives you friends for that. Of course, we appreciate it when they tell us. I keep stepping in it, Pastor. I'm sorry. You know, we just <laughs> we just love it when somebody says, I, I, I want to share this with you. I know you think you did this, but you did that. No, friends won't, but enemies will. <laughs> That's why we should love our enemies. <laughs> They'll tell you the truth when you're friends. <laughs> it's bad when you like your own preaching. I'm telling you, I just, but I, I, how many of you know we should love our enemies? Did somebody say that to us? He did. He did. So God has a plan. It's hidden often in people and we need their perspective, even the perspective of our enemies. Now, not everybody has a piece of your plan. And if they show you they don't or don't want to, forgive them. Don't get hung up on somebody who didn't have anything to contribute to you. They may later on, but maybe not. Forgiveness releases us to find the will of God. Are you listening now? Jesus said, if you don't forgive, what? The Father won't forgive. So I may be hung up. I'm trying to find the will of God, and I'm praying for the will of God, but I won't turn loose of something somebody said or did. A lot of people live their lives on a long rubber band that's getting tighter and tighter. Forgive it. That way... Maybe you can maintain fellowship, or at least you can find the will of God and find forgiveness in God. Stay free. Stay in fellowship as much as you can, possibly. Now, a friend of mine sent me an email a few days ago. <clears throat> 
He's a blue-collar guy. He's a welder and a good one. Teaches other people how to weld. And has done very well with his with his vocation. And he said, Brother Charles, the Lord has rebuked me for looking at the container and not seeing the content. You understand what he meant. He's rebuked me for looking at outward appearance and not finding what God has put in somebody. You know, the Lord told Samuel when he almost anointed Eliab to be king instead of David, he said, man looks on what? The outward appearance. But God looks where? Aren't you glad he does? Now, so... uh If we're going to be in fellowship and find what God has for us, we need to forgive and we need to look, we need to look at the intent of a person, not necessarily what they did or said. And most people don't intend to be offensive, but sometimes are. Now, you may look at me and say, well, Brother Charles, you're a minister and you're, you just don't understand. <laughs> I got genes that came out of the swamps of South Louisiana. It's at least one half of me. And uh, those people are serious. <laughs> and not just the way it is now, but the way it was in the 1930s. And uh, they're little communities that everybody's kin, so you don't talk about anybody because they're all kin. Uh, they can, but you can. <laughs> and it's the kind of thing that you need to be moving on unless you have business there. And um, first game warden that came in never came out. <laughs> and um, and um, there were German Cajuns, which is a very bad cocktail. And forgiveness was not one of my natural virtues. <laughs> I didn't hold bitterness. People just died. And um, so I understand. I understand the difficulty of letting go and loving your, <laughs> loving your enemies and doing good to those that despitefully use you. And I had a vocabulary to match my feelings. Now, it's imperative because we, we want to go to heaven. We want to, we want to walk with the Lord. We want to have friends. I mean, real friends. We need the oil of gladness. We need to remove the friction. Because the enemy is trying to destroy our families, our churches, our nation, the world. How is he trying to do it? By bitterness. Um, I, 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 I don't know how to respond to the rhetoric that's in our culture. I'm sure you don't. It's time for Christians to be the light of the world, not just to be part of it. We need to be careful. What we say, what we do. And, and that's kind of hard for me because I'm a talker. And um, 
I, I just, I want to encourage us to be constructive. We don't, we don't have to like everything that's going on. We don't have to like everybody. We have to love everybody. <laughs> Which means being willing to lay our lives down. Two are better. There is an exponential productivity when people work together. Now, we can talk about this on a friendship level, but I'll tell you, the church is greatly divided. Because the enemy is doing everything he knows how to do to keep us apart. And we look at labels, we look at containers, and we miss the content. We need one another as much as we ever have. And um, I'm discovering that you can't trust labels. I think a lot of us are. What we trust is what the Holy Spirit shows us, tells us. And um, it's surprising who you can be in one accord with and who you can't. Sometimes church members have more trouble being in one accord than some people who are not known as Christians. I'm not suggesting church members are bad and non-Christians are good. I'm just simply saying it's in the spirit. It's not in the natural. I want to urge you to ask God to make us more sensitive to the Holy Spirit than we ever have been before. Because what he says is life or death. What he says, I think right now, circumstances are forcing us to listen to the Lord more than we have in the past. And I believe if we do, he will guide us. And he will lead us to those who will stand with us in every season. I um, I want to encourage you. Be salt. Be salt. Salt, some of you may have heard me say this before, but salt is a preservative. But there's something else about salt that we need to know. Salt sticks together. You let salt get humid and don't shake it and it'll be a lump. Now, when I was nine years old, I had a job putting out a salt block for the cows next door. And there was a big tub of water and I had to keep the tub full of water and the salt, the, the cows would lick the salt and drink the water. And I discovered something about salt. It could rain on it. It could get hot. It could get cold. And that block would not come apart. You put a pile of sand out there in one rain and it's gone. And Jesus said if the salt loses its savor, its flavor, it's like sand. The scripture says, have salt in yourself. 
tick. I don't care what happens. I don't care what they said. I don't care what they did. I don't care if it's hot or cold. Why? Because we need each other. Don't you think you don't? If you're blessed, you'll get old. And you'll find out you need people. You need folks. And that kid you held is going to hold you. Treat him right. <laughs> Teach him the love of God. Teach him how to sacrifice <laughs> for others. Even if you're not spiritual, just be smart. My, my. A threefold cord is not easily broken. It's a, it's a, it's a bond. It's a, it's wound together tight. I keep thinking of this and I, I, I don't know whether to say it, but I will. But I read a story. I can't remember what's magazine, a book, but two boys were walking home from school. One was a, an athlete, real powerful boy, played football. The other boy was uh, kind of a nerdy guy, kind of thin, and 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 he had a pile of books he was carrying. And as they were walking on opposite sides of the road, but going in the same direction, some other boys from school ran past the young man with a pile of books, knocked all the books down, and he was picking them up in the and the football player went over and helped him pick them up and, and volunteered to carry some of them. Found out they lived not too far from each other. And in the course of walking and helping one another, they built a friendship different as they were. The football player got a scholarship. The other boy was the valedictorian of his class. And when he was to give the valedictory speech... He told a story that nobody knew, including his own parents. He said, you see, he said, I had cleaned out my locker because I didn't want my parents to have to do it. And I was going home over the weekend to do the unthinkable. And he said, I made a friend and he saved my life. Nobody knew the story, including the friend. You never know when you make a friend what they may do in your life or what you may do in theirs. But go ahead and make the friend. Be a friend. The Bible says if we're going to have friends, we have to be a friend. We have to be friendly. And who knows? Jesus may come into that relationship. You ever been sitting at a table and have the Lord join you? You'd be talking to somebody and suddenly y'all were saying things you didn't know. Spirit of revelation was there. You talk about the power of fellowship. If it can bring the presence of God, that's powerful. Woe be to him who is alone when he falls. 
there's a lot of child trafficking in our country. It's one of the untold stories. It's a tragedy beyond description. Probably the most trafficked. We have the most trafficking maybe of any nation in the world. This nation that was founded on Christian principles. One to those, I'm trying to think of an appropriate name for them. What do they look for? They look for a child that's alone. Woe be to him who is alone. What does the devil look for? The lone sheep. The wolf is looking for a sheep. You say, well, I can make it by myself. I wouldn't advise it. Suicides are going up, even among young people. People who think that isolation is, a, is salvation are stupid. It's not. Now, we need to be careful. But let me just say to you, Isolation. You say, I can make it by my... God didn't make us to live alone. You need friends, even if sometimes they're ugly. Even if sometimes they're offensive. Try to look beyond the container and find the content. The power. We haven't yet seen the power. Of relationship. Because I believe there's going to be a revival. I've seen some revivals. You have too. You're here because of a revival. But I believe there's going to be another one. A great one. That Jesus is going to come in. And I've noticed this, Pastor. Whenever there's a move of the Spirit, people come together. And people who are different come together. In the charismatic movement in the 60s and 70s, people who didn't like each other got together. I remember when hippies started coming to our church. We had a suburban church. Nice, upper middle class kind of thing. And hippies. And we were a Southern Baptist church. And nuns. Nuns came to church. We had a guru. He had his robe and medallions and walked down the aisle and people missed their hands clapping because they were looking at him. We had unusual people. People I didn't even like. Man said, pastor of a church, I was under investigation from my experience he said, how did you integrate your church? I said, I didn't. He said, I heard it was. I said, yeah, it is. He said, well, how did you do it? I said, I didn't. <laughs> Let me tell you, there are things God wants to do we can't do. But if God moves, he will bring people that you and I didn't even look for. Love is the bridge over which truth travels. May God bless you.